0: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. And for those who are tuning in online, we're uh, glad to have you too with us. Uh, This morning, I wanted to announce to those who might not know already that Pastor uh, Miller has been diagnosed with COVID. Uh, His symptoms are minor. Um, So please keep him in your prayers. And he found out later in the week, so I'll be leading the service today. Um, Pastor Miller uh, had done a lot of work already preparing the message, and so he uh, will be providing the message to us uh, via the screen this morning, So, and for those of you online, uh, you'll see it uh, yeah, during that time in the service, so um, we're grateful for that, and grateful that he's not uh, doing any worse with, with having COVID. Um, so far, his family hasn't been di- diagnosed uh, with the, uh, with the uh, virus, so we keep them in our prayers, too, and those who, who came into contact, that the Lord would um, keep all of them safe, too. Uh, there are a few announcements uh, in the back of the bulletin. Um, the regular scheduled Bible studies uh, for today will be canceled until next week and we will resume uh, next Sunday, is the plan currently. Um, also, uh, in the back of the church, you'll notice there are some uh, baby bottles. Those are to support uh, Christ's pregnancy, uh, and uh, those who are in need of caring for their little ones. So uh, if you want to fill those out, fill those up with some coins or bills, and then bring those back by February 14th, Valentine's Day. We'll make sure those get to um, where they need to go to help those in need. Uh, as we uh, begin this morning, let's stand and make our beginning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let us confess our sin to God. You are the Lord, and you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. You have called us to yourself and given us a covenant. You have become our God and made us your people, and yet we have turned away from you. We have rebelled against you. You have delivered us many times according to your covenant mercies. You have warned us, and yet we have acted presumptuously. You have sent us prophets, and we have turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened our necks and would not obey your law. You are the Lord, and you alone. You are our God, great and mighty. You keep covenant and steadfast love. We deplore our sins before you and before each other, They have only gotten us into trouble. They have only enslaved us. They have not given us the happiness they promised. Deliver us from our sin and from the power and attraction of sin through the faithful suffering and death of our Savior Jesus Christ, whose intercession we plead and in whose name we pray. Amen. Because of Jesus, God has forgiven all our sin. Hear the gospel of Christ from John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Our psalm uh, for today is Psalm 40, beginning with verse 1. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our Old Testament reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter three, beginning with verse one. And just as an introduction to this reading, um, it's the story of Samuel being called uh, by God in the temple. And um, Samuel was the little boy who was born to uh, Elkanah and his wife Hannah, who had been childless, and she prayed that God would give her a child, and that if God would, she would dedicate him to God's service. And so here's little Samuel serving in the temple with the high priest Eli. And the high priest uh, Eli had sinned against God by uh, not uh, reprimanding his sons when they had uh, profaned the name of God and disobeyed uh, the Lord's commands. And so we'll hear about that in this reading. The young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle readings from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from the New Testament. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: In Christ alone. This cornerstone this solid ground, firm through the fiercest sister. spoil yes, by the words
0: Holy Gospel according to Saint John chapter one. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
2: Good morning. Uh, We're obviously doing things a little bit differently this morning. Um, Let you know what's going on. I uh, was feeling a a bit run down and tired this week. And uh, later on in the week, around Thursday, I began to feel um, uh, flu symptoms, minor flu symptoms, nothing serious. Uh, But decided Friday to go and get tested, uh, which I did and found out uh, Saturday, yesterday, that I had... um, tested positive for COVID. And I I don't have anything besides these minor flu symptoms, which are uncomfortable. And I do feel really tired, but I'm not in bad shape. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, Obviously, uh, finding out for sure that I had COVID on Saturday, it's a bit late to find somebody else to uh, prepare and preach a sermon for me. So uh, this is how we're going to have to uh, deliver and hear the sermon this morning. It's not the way I'd like to do it. Uh, thankfully, it's better than nothing, right? And it's we've been working for a year on the technology to be able to do this sort of thing. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, but um, uh, I'm feeling okay. And Angela and I would uh, really like it if you would pray for us and pray that God would keep uh, the people who I come in contact with safe. I will be quarantining for the next A week and a half. Uh, But like I said, I don't feel bad. So if you have anything that you need to get a hold of me about, uh, please don't uh, don't, uh, be afraid to do so. It won't bug me at all. I look forward to hearing from you, especially since I'll be cooped up in my house for a while. And uh, oh, one one more note, I'm wearing these uh, earbuds. I am not listening to cool jazz or uh, I'm not on the phone with somebody else uh, using the microphone here uh, to record this. So that's why I'm wearing these. Also want to say thanks to Pastor Lang for uh, agreeing to come in and lead the service and service communion. Uh, it was, it's nice to have a, a guy like Pastor Lang who can uh, jump in and serve, and um, you'll probably be hearing him preach next Sunday as well. All right, let's jump into the text, uh, the gospel text that you just read from John chapter one. It's the story of the call of Nathaniel, a story that uh, I think we believe we, we read almost every year. And it, it's a good story, the story of Jesus calling his disciples. One of the questions that we might have when we read these stories of Jesus calling Nathaniel or Peter or Andrew or James and John is, what's their motivation? Why is it that they get up and leave everything and follow him? We're not really told specifically for most of these guys what they're thinking at the moment. Um, and We get a sort of a feel Uh, Through the rest of the gospel readings, what what they have in mind is a revolution against Rome. At least some of them have uh, that goal in mind. But as far as specifically in the moment of their call, why? I'm I'm, I'm always kind of intrigued by this. Matthew is another good example. Why would Matthew get up and leave a fairly secure, it looks like, a fairly secure financial position and follow this wandering construction worker? Uh, We don't know. In this story, we get a little bit of a feel for why Nathaniel made this decision. And it comes down to somebody knew him. All of us crave to be known by somebody, to be truly known and truly accepted. And Nathaniel believes he's found that. Jesus first meets him, he sees Nathaniel coming toward him, and he says of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael says to Jesus, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I don't just know you. I know you supernaturally. Nathanael was attracted immediately to this one who knew him inside and out. Not, Not just knew him in the sense of he'd seen him before or met him before, but by the way that Jesus had known him, supernaturally seeing him, when apparently he was by himself under the fig tree. Nathaniel knew here's somebody who really knows me. Like I said, we all crave this. We want to know. we want to know when we, we want to be known and we want to be accepted. And the fear in the middle of our hearts is that these two things can't possibly go together. People who uh, like me, I, I always believe people who like me are people who don't don't yet know me. And the more they get to know me, the more they see things that are unlikable. I think probably all of us have experienced this, this fear that if people know what I really think, or if people know what I've done in my past, or if people know what I do when nobody's looking, uh, they would really, really not like me anymore. Also, um, this fear that uh, um, um, people won't accept me if they, uh, we want to be accepted, right? This is, we want people to uh, to accept us and uh, the acceptance is acceptus, acceptance is contingent on being loved and known. It's no good to be accepted by people who don't know you. In fact that's for, for mostly that's impossible. And so there's this sort of um, there's this uh, tipping point where people get to know us and they like us, but we don't want to go too much farther because if they get to know us too well they'll stop liking us. What Nathaniel meets here is somebody who knows him completely and still likes him, still loves him, still wants him to be in his group. And um, this is a a, nobody. This is who Jesus is. Nobody will ever, nobody that you know outside of Jesus will ever be able to love you and accept you the way Jesus does simultaneously, nobody will ever be able to know you like Jesus does. And we don't assume that those two things can go together, but in Jesus they do. He knows you completely. He knows everything that you're thinking right now. He knows the bitter thoughts that you have towards people. He knows the things that you've done in the past that are extremely distasteful, even broken and sinful, damaging to yourself and to the people around you. He knows all these things. And he still loves you and desperately wants a relationship with you. Well, how does he do this? How can a deep knowledge of us, how can Jesus' deep knowledge of us and all of our brokenness and sin make him love us even more? He's a holy God. That's not the way it should work. The more he should know us, the more he should know about our filthiness and our uncleanness, the more he should be disgusted by us, turned away by us. But it's not the way it works. The more he knows us, the more he loves us. Well, how does this work? Have you ever known somebody? It's like this. Have you ever known somebody who really, really, really loves math? It's kind of a sick person. The kind of person who delights in solving math problems, who aced pre-algebra and was excited about algebra, and then they were super pumped to do geometry, and then jumping into pre-calculus and calculus, they loved it. They loved getting in knee-deep to math problems that they didn't understand and slogging it out until they figured it out and could say, finally, I've solved it. You ever known somebody like that? Some of you, uh, like me, are fans of uh, the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stories about Sherlock Holmes. Interesting part about Sherlock's um, personality is that he frequently was bored and uh, didn't like life. In fact, in the in the original stories, he, when he didn't have an interesting case to work on, he would struggle with cocaine, being addicted to cocaine. He would also he frequently also interview uh, people who would come to him to seek help. And if he thought that the problem was boring, uh, simple, easy solutions, he would yawn and, and turn them away, even if they were rich, famous, uh, able to reward him richly. But if he met somebody as poor and as... Uh, um, marginalized as that person was, if that person had an interesting problem for him to solve, he instantly would jump up full of energy. Come, Watson, the game is afoot, he would say. And sometimes uh, John Watson, the, uh, the fictional narrator, n- narrator, would tell us that he would not sleep for days and days, could go for days and days without eating or drinking because he was just so energized by this problem. Sherlock's genius is the kind of genius that demands difficult problems to solve. Think of it that way. Jesus' knowledge of you, Jesus' love of you, is the type that longs for and takes deep delight in solving difficult problems. And the more he knows you, the more sin that he sees that you have, the more glory he knows he's going to get for redeeming you and for forgiving that sin, And the deeper and longer lasting passion he has for you, the problem child, those are the people that he loves, the people whose problems uh, give him an excellent showcase for his power and his might and his deep and undying affection for you. That's, That's who Jesus is. When Jesus sees you and knows your sin, he's not scared away by it. It's not going to sully him. His holiness, his righteousness, his love, and his power are too great. Instead, he takes delight in knowing you. And the more sinful you are, the more pleasure and love he takes in you. But how is he able to do it? How is the knowledge that he has able to transform us? This is a, um, it works like this. This is an interesting thing about this story is that it's a couple of references here to a famous Old Testament character. This line that Jesus says to Nathaniel, he says, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. It's an Israelite in whom is no deceit. How what's he talking about? What is it? What is Israelite and no deceit? What would Nathanael have heard? Well, there's a famous story, the father of deceit in the Old Testament, as far as Jews were concerned, was their great 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 grandfather Jacob. Jacob's name actually means deceitful one, shyster, con man. That's who Jacob is. He's the ultimate con man. Spends the first half of his life cheating everybody he comes in contact with. His parents, his brother, his father-in-law, his wives. He's a cheater. He's a con man. Until one night, he's met uh, by the creator God in human form. The creator God wrestles with him. And holds him down and won't let him go. And Jacob says, realizing finally who it is, says, You have to release me. I mean, so you have to bless me. Do not, do, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And God says to him, All right, I'm going to change your name. You're no longer going to be Jacob. You're no longer going to be con man, shyster. I'm going to change your name to Israel. The man who has to do with God. The man, literally, the man who wrestles with God. The man who has seen the face of God. Jacob gets his character changed. No longer are you going to be the guileful one, the deceitful one. From now on, you're going to be Israel. You're going to be the one who sees and has intimate relationships with the creator God. You see what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel here? He's saying to Nathaniel when he says, I've seen you and you're an Israelite in whom is no deceit. He's evoking this story. What he's saying to Nathaniel is, is, my knowledge of you isn't just passive. My knowledge of you is the kind of knowledge of you that can transform you from a Jacob into an Israel, from a deceitful one into one who has seen the face of God. How is Jesus' knowledge of us able to fix our problems? Because it's the kind of knowledge that transforms us. It's the kind of knowledge that's so deep and so intimate. It can change us from broken, empty, sinful, deceitful people to true Israelites, members of the family of God. Now, Nathaniel might not get exactly what he's saying here. He might just be sort of amazed at the magic trick that Jesus has pulled off. Jesus wasn't anywhere around, apparently, when Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree, but Jesus knows he was. Nathaniel's blown away by this. And he says, whoa, that's crazy. Um, You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You must be the coming one. You must be the great son of David who's going to liberate us if you've got this kind of power. And Jesus says to him, just in case Nathaniel is more impressed with the magic trick of Jesus being able to see him under the fig tree and not impressed enough with the deeper magic of being able to transform the inside of Nathaniel's heart from deceitful to perfect to israelite without without any deceit jesus says this comment you're impressed by, you're impressed by this nathaniel because i saw you under the fig tree do you believe you'll see greater things than these and he said to him truly truly i say to you you will see heaven opened and the angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man how is the knowledge of jesus able to transform us from deceitful to true israelite well, Jesus responds by evoking another story about this same character, Jacob. Importantly enough, Jacob, the one that God promised to bless the whole world through, the one that God said, I am yours and you are mine. You are my child. You are the chosen one. I choose you over your older brother Esau, in fact. And this story that's evoked is the story of uh, uh, from Genesis chapter 28 of. Uh, Jacob's ladder. Jacob is on the run from his brother, and he's having a dream. And in this dream, there's a ladder that's connecting where Jacob's laying up to heaven. And angels, Jesus says here, are ascending and descending on this ladder, going up in between Yahweh, the creator God, and the sleeping Jacob. And that's where Yahweh makes this promise to Jacob that you are my covenant one. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the same same promises he made to his grandfather Isaac and his father uh grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. God connects himself right there at that moment. Jacob's laying there in the middle of Palestine and here's God building a ladder between himself and earth. He's not just giving Jacob information, but he's actually connecting Jacob to heaven via this ladder. That's why when Jacob wakes up the next morning, he says, this is an unbelievable place. This place is not a normal place. This must be the house of God. This must be the place where God lives. And he names the place Bethel, which in Hebrew means house of God. Because this is the place where Jacob was, was the place where God intersected time and space, where heaven made contact with earth. And Jesus says this crazy line to Nathanael, you're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on me. What's he saying? I am the ladder that connects God and man. I am the ladder that connects heaven and earth. I am the ladder that connects eternity with time and space. That's who Jesus is. He's answering the deeper question. How is this type of knowledge, the knowledge that Jesus has for us, How is that able to transform us into his own brothers and sisters? And the answer is, is because he himself is the connection, the ladder between heaven and earth, between God and man. That's who he is. What are your expectations for coming to Jesus? It could be anything, right? Some of us come because Christ's situation and we need help. Some of us come because we've made friends who are Christians and We're attracted to them. Some of us come because we want answers to deep questions. Some of us, like Nathaniel, come because we realize that our lives are a series of play acts where we put on faces and uh, we act out roles in front of people, and we're tired of it. We want somebody to know us completely and still love us and accept us. Whatever your reason is for coming to Jesus, and they're all legitimate, You'll see that when you get here, when you meet him, that what you get is you get those expectations fulfilled, but something far more. You get those expectations filled, but you also get the eternal God in flesh, Jesus Christ, who loved himself, who loved you so much that he gave himself for you, who longs to know you deeply, who longs to be your God and Savior. And the more he knows you, the more he knows the deepest, darkest, dankest, most vile recesses of your mind and your heart. The more passionately committed he is to you. The more he loves you. The more he wants to know you more and more. Amen.
0: In our prayers today, we remember Pastor Miller and all those who are in need of God's healing power. We also remember our, our nation as we're in the middle of a, a a change in our national leadership. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you chose Philip and Nathaniel and the other apostles, and that you chose Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, even despite all their faults and their shortcomings. We thank you you chose them not for who they were, but for who you are. For you are a God who wants to redeem mankind. You are a God who wants to transform those who have fallen away from you and bring them back into relationship. As a father who loves his wayward children, you love us. And so we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus, into human flesh to bear our sins and to be our savior. We thank you, Jesus, for your perfect sinless life, and for your great and amazing grace. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for you have humbled yourself to come and dwell among us and within us. And we pray that you would, Lord, empower us, those who have received your word, those who have received your promises, those who have received your forgiveness. Empower us not only to be recipients of your grace, but also to be those who carry that grace to others. In our homes, uh, for men in their relationship with their wives, for wives in their relationship with their husbands, children in relation with their parents. Help us to show your mercy and love and grace to one another. And in our workplaces, help us to be kind and compassionate, forgiving. And in our neighborhoods, Lord, may our homes be a light where others may see your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for our nation today. We pray that you would have mercy upon our land as we're in a time of great turmoil. We see uh, rioters in our nation's capital and we see uh, troops gathered together. We ask Lord for peace, peace that the world cannot give. And we ask Lord that uh, for us as Christians gathered around the world today, around your word, around uh, your word, that we would look to you and not to earthly leaders for our ultimate help. We pray, Father, that uh, your mercy and grace would guide our incoming leaders. And Lord, we pray that whoever is guiding this country, whoever is leading this country, that you would give them humility and ser- uh, servant heart, that you would give them wisdom, and that you would lead them to seek justice and mercy for the people of our land. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Father, today we ask that you would be with all who are in need of your healing power. And we pray, Lord, specifically for our pastor And we ask that you would give him a swift recovery. We pray that you would protect his family members and those who came into contact uh, from uh, getting sick. We pray that you would guard us all and our loved ones from uh, this pandemic, this virus. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with those who serve on the front lines, the doctors and nurses and health workers, that you would protect them and that you would help them in uh, carrying out their, their positions of providing a care for those who are in need. Father, we ask that you would bring a speedy end to this pandemic according to your will. But Lord, we're also uh, reminded that even through hardship, you are working for our good. And so we thank you for the ways that you have worked for our good throughout this entire time. We thank you for um, a time to reflect on what is most meaningful in life, time to perhaps gather together with those closest to us and have more time together with them. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, remind us of our mortality and that our time here on earth is short and that you are what really matters above all else in this world and in our life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the beauty of creation that you have made. We repent for the ways in which we have damaged this creation and its beauty. And we ask, Lord, that you would restore what you have made. We thank you that that restoration has begun through your son, Jesus. And we ask that we would be agents of your restoring power in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. These prayers and all that still remain on our hearts, we lift to you trusting that you hear us and that you will answer according to your grace. For we come to you in the name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please stand as we confess together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name and as he has taught us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had broken it, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.